This is Charlotte Donlin, and you're listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my first book, The Great Belonging, and my other writing and work at charlottedonlin.com. I want to start by highlighting a recent article about loneliness. It's a hot topic right now, and it should be. A lot of people are suffering from loneliness, and a lot of people are trying to figure it out. This article is from December of 2018, so it's just a couple of months old. It states that more people reported feeling moderate to severe loneliness during their late 20s, their mid-50s, and their late 80s than in other periods of life. This is according to research published in December of 2018 in the journal International Psychogeriatrics. These findings were surprising to many of the researchers because they only expected to find pervasive loneliness in the oldest study participants. They were also surprised by how many people overall suffered from feelings of loneliness. The article says, The surprising finding, I'm sorry, the surprising main finding of the study was the 76% prevalence of moderate to severe loneliness. They thought it would be a little more than a third. Men and women felt equally lonely and to the same degree. No sex differences were found in either prevalence or severity. This particular article goes on to discuss a hypothesis about the relationship between wisdom and loneliness. The researchers apparently found that those who had more wisdom felt less lonely. I definitely want more information about how they came to that conclusion, what their definition of wisdom is, and how they measured levels of wisdom. I know plenty of wise people who struggle with loneliness at times. The article mentions some personality traits that supposedly characterize wise people, but as a Christian, my view of wisdom is more tied to things of faith and spiritual discernment. So let's jump into a discussion of faith and loneliness. Let's explore components of loneliness that most of the researchers out there aren't necessarily considering. Do your struggles with loneliness or other forms of suffering make you doubt God and doubt His goodness? Do you ever wonder if you have a proper view or grasp of what it means to be to believe in God and trust that he will never leave you or forsake you? I wrote in a recent essay on my website about how my very first therapist used to remind me that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, which is Hebrews 11.1 1 from the New Revised Standard Version. I quickly adopted this definition of faith several years ago when I was meeting with that therapist, and I still turn to it often because I always need to remember that last part of the verse. I'll read it again. Hebrews 11 says, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And here it is from the message. The fundamental fact of existence is, is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. I love that. I love Eugene Peterson's emphasis on faith being the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. And that last part gets me in this version too. Faith is our handle on what we can't see. There's so much we can't see. And faith holds space for us to believe that the things of God that we can't see are real and true and worthy of our hope. 
But what about the things we can see? What about the things we know? What about the loneliness that's as real to us as the sun in the sky? What about the loneliness that's as intimate to us as the sound of our names? What do we do with the things we do see and do know that seem contrary to the goodness of the God we believe in? During a 2006 interview, the writer and preacher Frederick Buechner was asked, How do you keep faith in spite of so much suffering in the world? He answered with the following, Well, it is in spite of it. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You can't somehow theologize it away as people have tried to do. I think you simply have to say, this is in spite of faith. This is the shadow side. He continued saying, there is that great remark of Paul Tillich. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. It is an element of faith. You can't believe in an all-powerful, all-loving God and look at the horrors that are going on in this world without saying, how can I hold these two things together? I have no formula for doing that, but my answer to myself is, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. God is in all those things. The holier, the more, transcends all of the wretchedness that goes on in the world. Again, that was Frederick Buechner in a 2006 interview. I'll link to it in the show notes for this episode that you can find uh, via charlottedonlin.com. And we can apply what Buechner says to our loneliness, too. Some people may wonder, how can I keep my faith in God when I experience so much loneliness in my life? I know some people are wondering things along these lines, because of the responses I received for the anonymous survey for this episode. One person said, Loneliness makes faith really hard. If I feel lonely and unseen with the real, tangible people around me, that usually carries over to feeling unseen and ignored by a God that I can't see. Another responder stated, Sometimes it challenges my faith because I feel isolated and alone and not even my faith feels robust or more than dull in light of my loneliness. And I've made choices in my loneliness that contradict my faith and bring shame. One more response I received is, As a single person living alone, I sometimes feel loneliness almost viscerally. For example, going days without even a handshake or being greeted by name can feel withering. The work of trying to shift out of that loneliness into community, whether at work, church, reading groups, is at times exhausting. All that to say, the loneliness that comes as a normal part of my life does affect my faith because I tend to believe that God is as disinterested or dismissive of me as the rest of the world. So what if, like Frederick Buechner and Paul Tillich, our definition of faith leaves room for doubt? What if doubt isn't the opposite of faith? What if our faith needs doubt for it to be a full expression of faith? Does that take off some of the pressure? Does it release a bit of the pressure that so many Christians feel to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to fit into a certain box in order to be considered a person of faith or a strong believer or a mature believer or whatever phrase along those lines you hear thrown around at church 
and on the internet and in the books that the Christians write. It takes some of the pressure off of me, and I hope it takes some of the pressure off of you too. But even if we feel less pressure by letting our doubt exist and be what it is, we're still sitting here suffering with our doubt and our loneliness, and that's no fun. It's awful at times. But in the midst of our doubt and our loneliness and our shame, we can ask God to help us believe or try to believe the truth. Those survey responses I just read are heartbreaking on many levels. It sounds like the responders are having trouble believing God is who he says he is. I have trouble believing that too sometimes. But even though we can't see God sitting near us in our loneliness, his word tells us he is near us. Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. John 14, 18 says, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. And 1 John four thirteen says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. The Trinitarian God is near us, and maybe that's where our faith can unfold, in believing that God is near us even though we doubt his nearness, even though we can't see it. In this episode's anonymous online survey, I asked the question, Which spiritual practices and traditions help you feel less lonely? I received some fantastic responses. One person said, Over the past few months, I've started attending a church where worship is formed around liturgy. I cannot say enough how much this relieves the loneliness for the rest of the day. Enacting the Lord's Supper, confessing corporately, awkwardly reaching for another's hand during the giving of peace, it transforms the hollows. Previously, I spent several years at an evangelical church with a family-focused feel. Greeters were at the door with bulletins. Families were consistently resourced. A trained worship band performed on stage. And for me, it was entirely isolating. All that to say, in my experience, the loneliness doesn't necessarily wane in the presence of others, but in the assurance that I am involved in God's love. Someone else said, Reading scripture may help a little, as can journaling. In contrast, prayer can feel very lonely. And another said, Prayer and reading about others who experience similar things helps my loneliness. I love how the survey responses remind us of the uniqueness of our experiences with God in the church. Loneliness is not one size fits all. No form of suffering, of suffering is one-size-fits-all, and the ways we find comfort are certainly not one-size-fits-all. What provides consolation for one person might not provide consolation for someone else, and that's okay. We don't have to have everything figured out. We don't have to have every one figured out. But every single one of us, in our unique, made-in-the-image-of-godness, can know that God is near He has not left us as orphans. He has given us his spirit. And as we pray or participate in the liturgy on Sundays 
or as we journal or read things that others have written about loneliness and suffering and faith and doubt, we can ask God to grow our faith in Him. We can ask God to show us more of Himself, to comfort us in our loneliness, to provide opportunities to know others and to be known by others. And in the process, in the middle of our faith that's mixed up with doubt, may we taste the rest that comes in knowing that we don't need to see everything to believe. May we experience glimpses of freedom from our loneliness, and may we wait with expectation for the day when all of the loneliness will disappear like a candle flame that's been extinguished, when we will have the eyes to see all we wish we could see right now. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my writing and work at charlottedonlin.com.